This is the High Impact Leadership Podcast. Bringing vision into action. Josh Veneta is a leadership and business growth coach. I decided that I wanted to have a bigger impact. Bigger impact. Fueled by helping individuals and organizations thrive. Engaged with a new passion. Josh is a proven business leader. To help others succeed. Over 15 years experience in helping organizations put vision into action. Where we provide tools and wisdom that help leaders and their organizations to thrive. Strategy. Strategy. Consistent execution. Execution. Leadership. That's what coaching actually is. It's an unlocking of what's already there. This is the High Impact Leadership Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of High Impact, a podcast for leaders. My name is Josh Veneta, strategic advisor and CEO plus leadership team coach. Today, my guest is Michelle Vroom. She is a business coach with more than 15 years of marketing and PR experience with nonprofits, agencies, and big corporations. Now, she helps small business owners grow to six figures with more freedom and peace. Michelle believes every woman entrepreneur should be able to get clients whenever she wants. She understands the challenges of limited resources and time and shares her proven methods for visibility and relationship building to get clients and grow her business and theirs. Michelle, thanks so much for joining the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to connect. So for those of you listening, Michelle and I actually were college classmates and hadn't we really talked since graduation. So just <laughs> right. It's been like, how long has it been? I don't even want to know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not even going to venture to guess. Every yeah, time I we're, think like, we're, like, we're like getting up to 20 years, like in the in the near future. But yes, yes, this is like a fun treat to kind of blast from the past, if you will. It is. So um, Michelle, in your coaching practice, I'd love to know, um, you know, I'm sure you get this question. I get it a lot. Josh, what exactly do coaches do? Uh, I think they confuse us a lot with consultants, which we're not, and there's nothing wrong with consulting. There's mm-hmm, great that. Mm-hmm. But uh, what's your best response to that question? Yeah, when they say do, I'm like, well, um, what we do is we help you figure out your direction. Like it has to be led by the client. And this was a shift that was challenging for me because I definitely started in more of a consultant role and like done for you services. So doing the work for my clients before I moved into coaching. And while I think coaches can play in the consultant role, like I think they can serve in that role. Ultimately, a coach is supposed to guide you based on what it is that you actually want. Like we can pull things out of you. We can help you get focused, help you get direction, help you work toward your goals. It can't be dictated by our goals and what we want for you. It has to be dictated by what you want for you, which can be hard. A lot of people don't, you know, I think they know deep down, but they haven't really kind of pulled that out of the surface. It's like, how do I figure out what it is that I really want? And I think a good coach can ask the questions that will lead to that. Um, you know, obviously coaches have different areas of specialty. So mine is, is certainly marketing. I know other coaches who, you know, their area of specialty is finance or business or whatever else, but ultimately, regardless of what your area of specialty is, you need to be able to guide your client. You need to be able to ask them the questions to get at what it is that they actually want, because if you can identify what they want and identify their goal, they're going to go after it. They're going to take more consistent action versus if you which is hard to do as as coaches, or it's easy to do, I should say. It's hard sometimes not to do this, where it's like, you can see where you want them to go and you're trying to push and you you can't push too hard because then it's like, they're going to shut down. They're not going to do the thing that you think they need to do because it didn't come from them. It's not really what's inside of them. 
Yeah, that's that's so true. So it's such a great point. I think, you know, we have you learn that when you first begin coaching, because, you know, you can see sometimes what the best thing is for a client and so hard at, at the beginning, I think, to resist the urge. But we're going to take more ownership as individuals over what we believe should happen. Um, and we're going to be more committed to that. I always use the example of like personal training. Uh, and I yes. did some personal training when I was um, I put on too much weight. I was like, oh, my gosh, I need to do something about this. And so I was like sick and tired of being sick and tired. And like, I think what my coach uh, pr pr provided really was tools to help me actually lose the weight and get fit. Yep. They provided yep. accountability yep. Um, and they had experience. Um, and I think yeah, they can give you that direction. Yeah. And, and, you know, know when to push you, right? Mm -hmm. Like I actually, both of my parents were personal trainers. My mom still is. So like, I will train with her occasionally. And, um, I always get a little, a little mad at her cause she like pushes me and she knows when to push me, but then I'm happy with it afterward because if left to our own devices, I mean, you can take the most motivated person. I would consider myself a very motivated person left to my own devices without that accountability and that, that push. But hopefully, you know what I mean? When I say push, I'm going to try as hard as I could. I'm going to reach my full potential. We're always going to back out. Like we have things that we think we can do. And, it, and then we have excuses that we make and a coach like can really, challenge you to step out of your comfort zone and i think that's when the magic happens if you will mm. but it, you know again on our own i think a lot of us struggle with that especially because we're emotional about our businesses like i always say to my clients i'm like listen i see your business differently than you see your business your business is like you know in some respects like your baby like your child you're emotional about it right versus you know i come in and i don't have that same emotion about your business I can see objectively. And I think a coach can also see objectively, which means they know what stories you're telling yourself. They also know what's really true and what you're really capable of. And they're going to challenge you and hold you accountable to that. And I think that's amazing. I love, I mean, I've always had a coach, right? Since starting my business. Well, I got a coach a year and a half into business. So I shouldn't say always, but for the majority of my business journey, I've had a coach and I've seen the power of that, you know? Um, and it's amazing what happens when you have that, that accountability and that purpose and that direction. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So what are some of the challenges that you're seeing right now with your clients? I made a list because um, I obviously knew you were going to ask me this. And so I wrote, I mean, it's hard to make a list of three. I, I made a list of three challenges I'm seeing. Okay. There are a million more that I could say, but I think there's a lot of challenges that tie back to what I'm about to share. So what I am seeing and what I'm seeing, and it hasn't always been the case. So I've been in business for seven and a half years. And I will say in the last two years, I've seen these three challenges, distractions, like distractions have just, I mean, the online space has grown. More people are online than ever. More people are starting businesses online than ever. And so there's more noise. There's more distractions. There's more people telling you, you need this, you need that, right? That's the first thing. The second is I think expectations have changed. People are expecting to have instant results. I think that's a that's a cultural thing. It's like we, you know, Amazon Prime, like it should get here as soon as possible. Like we think we order something and boom, out comes a result. And I think that that has led to a lot of expectations about business that aren't necessarily true. And I've really been intentional lately about working hard to try to adjust expectations and say, hey, it's normal to feel like nothing's working. It's normal to have to work really hard for what it is that you're going after. So that's the second thing. And then I think the third challenge 
they're all kind of connected, aren't they? The third challenge is they're trying to do too much at once. They're trying to do as many, like, I'm going to take as many strategies as I possibly can to grow my business. I'm going to do them all at once because if I do them all at once and as quickly as possible, then I'll see faster results. It's usually the opposite. So those are probably the top three. And I think there's a lot of other challenges that I'm not naming that are directed by or guided by these challenges. Like if you have this, one of the challenges I just mentioned, there's a whole lot of other things that come from that. So yeah, I, I so agree three. with that. I mean, the, I yeah. tell my clients, I spend so much time with my clients, basically giving them permission to do less, which sounds yeah. crazy, but it's really not doing less. It's just doing what you're doing with more focus, alignment, and purpose. Going um, deep, not wide, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, you yeah. know, and I, that's my personality has always been, I would rather have a smaller group of friends have really deep relationships with them than have you know a million different friends but you know not have hardly anybody you could call when something happened at 1 30 in the morning and you just need somebody to talk to so i think you know that there's that whole piece so michelle what are some what so you're working with your clients you're talking about these things you're seeing them as kind of recurring themes one by one walk us through what are some tips like starting with distraction how can we address that Yeah. You know, and I kind of wish I'd ordered them a little bit differently because I think some of them like feed off of each other. So if I can actually start with expectations, I think that's the first key, right? Is to look at what are your expectations? So one of the things I coach my clients on is the pressure that they're bringing to the table. This whole, like, I need a client now type mentality. And I get it, right? Logically, I get it. And I'm not saying that we're not after clients. Like, of course, as business owners, we want clients, we want to make money. But if that's what you're bringing to the table, that pressure of it has to happen now, it's actually going to take forever for it to, to happen because you are bringing that pressure to the table and people can sense that. And that's, you know, showing up in terms of how you market and sell and talk about your offer. And so what you need to do is you need to, to, to release that pressure. And I think that can happen in a couple of different ways. Um, you know, looking at like, what are the actual expectations that I need to have here? You know, it's normal to not have the clients roll in right away. It's not like you build a business and, oh, suddenly they're going to be beating down your door. Like it's actually normal. And I think understanding that that's normal and looking at, okay, what do I need to do? So your expectations can be less about like, I need to get a client in this amount of time and more about, okay, what are the things that will bring clients my way and set expectations around those things? So I think that's the first thing. And also just removing any pressure that you are bringing to the table. It doesn't mean you can't feel pressure, but, you know, you had said before we we started recording, like, say, spending some time saving up money before you start your business, right? And if you didn't do that, that's okay. I didn't do it. But I had other things that allowed me to kind of relieve some of the financial pressure, right? Like, we adjusted our budget. We, you know, made certain sacrifices when I first started my business to be able to do that. And that helped relieve pressure. So I wasn't showing up with this frantic energy of, oh, my gosh, like, everything's riding on me getting a client tomorrow. I think, that's, I think that's the first thing. I think that also then when you set proper expectations that allows you, I'm going to skip to the third challenge, which is, you know, doing too many things at once and trying to do everything at once. It allows you to kind of reset, right? And refocus. You know, there are so many good strategies to help you market and build your business, but the timing of when you'd focus on those strategies is really important. So when you first start your business, as an example, I don't think you should be spending a lot of time behind the scenes, creating content and not talking to people. Like you've got to be getting out there and networking and talking to people. And that can be locally, it can be virtually, but you need to get kind of get that momentum going as you're starting to, you know, meet new people and build your audience. 
So, you know, understanding what is it that I need to focus on now versus this is a great strategy for, you know, when I'm in this phase of my business, I think is really important. How do you figure that out? Some of it is getting guidance from a coach. I don't think you necessarily have to hire a coach to figure that out, though. There are plenty of resources available to you. Um, you know, I like to share those resources before someone even works with me so that they know and understand kind of what they need to focus on at different stages in their business, because it's not about doing more. In fact, it's about doing fewer things, but doing them better. Because when you do focus on one strategy at a time, you can kind of, instead of dipping your, your toe in the pool, you're like jumping in the pool. You're taking advantage of every opportunity that that strategy has to offer. And so it does involve you being willing to do less. And I think we've got to shift this mindset around doing more is going to get us more results because it's actually the opposite. So that's the second piece. And then I think that will help with distractions, right? Because if you're not trying to do everything at once and, and utilize a million different strategies at once, you're not going to be as distracted, right? Like you're going to be able to have more focus. I think that it also involves you being willing to turn off whatever is distracting you. So, you know, if you're following certain people online that are serving as a distraction or they are, you know, triggering that comparison that comes up, like they're doing so much better than me, I'm, then you may need to unfollow some people. You may, may need to be conscious of how much time you are spending online. I mean, if you run your business online, I get that that can be really hard to do, but I think that that involves us being very intentional about setting boundaries that are going to protect us, which is, you know, I work with service providers. So it's like your brain is your business, right? Your knowledge is your business. If you're a coach, you're, it's, it's you protecting your mind and protect your mind is your biggest asset. And so protecting that and being willing to set those boundaries and then maybe getting some accountability to enforce them, I think is also a really good step. Those are great, really practical uh, tips. And, you know, for those of you who are listening saying, oh yeah, that, well, that's, that's overly simplistic. It's actually not. It's the Most small, people don't do the simple things. No, it's the small, <laughs> it's the small building blocks, right? It's the blocking and tackling. You think about if we can use a football analogy yes. for a moment, like, you know, if a tackle doesn't do their job and protect the quarterback and the quarterback can't throw the ball to a wide receiver, or hand it off to the running back, no points are going to be scored. Right. So right. you could easily think that, oh, a tackle's position is insignificant. It's actually not it's critical to the team being able to score points on offense. And I think that's those, those things you're talking about, Michelle, I think they're the tackles. They are, they are. And like a lot of people, you know, when you think about expectations, right? A lot of people think it's gotta be the big, like they, they, they wait to take the big steps and they wait and they wait and they wait to get ready to take the big steps. When in reality, it's taking little steps every single day. It's the little steps that add up and that build momentum and lead to success. And I've seen that firsthand in my business. A lot of people get so like, they're trying to prepare so much for the big stuff that they never even start taking action in the first place, mm. you know? So I think it's, it's just definitely a shift and that, that flies in the face of what people are saying in our culture, right? That, you know, it's the big, like everybody's sharing the big moments, like the mountaintop moments, like that's what you have to strive for, but how do you get to the mountain? I mean, I'm, I don't hike or do a lot of that, but like, I, it's, I know, I know that it's like, you got to take the little steps and just keep going. And when you want to quit, you know, and you want to go back down that mountain, like that's when you need to keep pushing and just put one foot in front of the other. And I think that that applies to business too. So it does. I, I think, yeah. you know, I know some marathoners and I, I like yeah. to cycle. And so it's a similar idea. You can't focus on the 84 miles you're riding. It's, Hey, I've just got to click off one mile at a time. 
and all of a sudden before you know it you're at 42 and then you're halfway and you know the rest is the rest is history but, I ran a marathon yeah prior to having children obviously because there's no way I'd be able to do a long run and find time for that now with three kids but I ran a marathon it was in 2015 it was a Disney marathon so it was like the whole shebang and I did exactly what you just shared which was there were, I mean there was a point where I was like I started panicking. Like, I don't think I can do this. I'm already out of breath. Like, what am I going to do? Right. You start internally panicking. I'm like, don't focus about how many more miles you have left to go. Like just focus on getting to the next mile marker. And that honestly, like, I didn't know by running that marathon. Cause then a year later I would start my own business. Like I had no idea that I was preparing myself for becoming a business owner running that marathon, but it's so true. It's it so is, true. Yeah. It applies. Yeah. And I find, you know, I don't know if I'm sure you've read the book by James Clear, Atomic Habits. You know, he yes. is so yeah. good in yeah. the space that Michelle is kind of talking about right now. So if you're wondering about how you can get a little more granular, go buy Great James Beard's book, book, listen to yeah. it. It's excellent. Yeah. So you've talked a little bit about for somebody who's going out and just kind of starting a business, you talked a little bit about, um, you know, not being behind the scenes and being more out front and just shaking yeah. hands and that kind of stuff and building your network. What are some other tips you'd give for somebody who is just getting a business going? Yeah, I think definitely being um, flexible in terms of like, yes, you know what it is that you do, hopefully, right, that you're going to provide. Um, you know, there may be a lot of different offers. Like I know when I first started, I had a lot of different things that I could do for people. And I was willing to kind of start broader and do those things and see how people responded to my services and which services were most popular and which ones did I enjoy most. And that actually was what allowed me to kind of narrow down and get more specific over the years about what it is that I'm going to provide and for whom. I think a lot of people start out feeling like I've got to find the perfect niche and the perfect ideal client and every, and I'm like, you know what, start a little bit broader. It's okay. Yes. Know what it is that you want to do, right? That goes without saying, but it's okay to start a little bit broader in your marketing. It's like peeling back the layers of the onion. You're going to, as you serve more clients and figure out what you do like and what you don't like, like you're going to figure that out. It's going to become more clear to you. So I think just getting started and, and meeting the people and never passing up an opportunity to network, you know, it'd be really easy to say like, that's a waste of time, or I'm not going to meet anybody who, you know, could become a client there, but you honestly have no idea. In the early days of business, I had clients coming to me that I like never would have envisioned were, were going to come to in, in ways that I never could have planned for because I was not above doing anything. Like I was not above going out and networking. I was not above, you know, having an opportunity to meet someone because whether they're the ideal client or, or they're the referral partner, like it's going to benefit me no matter what. So I think just being curious and open to how you meet people um, and just building those relationships and setting aside time to check back in on those relationships. Like a lot of people will meet someone, you know, at a networking event, they never follow up again. It's like, that's a missed opportunity, right? So every time you meet someone, it's not just about that initial meeting. It's, hey, set a timer to, you know, circle back in four weeks and say, or six weeks and say, hey, how are you? You know, I, last time we chatted about X, Y, and Z, like, how are things going? Be a real human. It sounds simple because I know people are going to think this when they hear me say this, but almost no one is doing it. Like almost no one is doing it. If you even just do that, you will get clients and stand out because no one takes the time to do that anymore. That's Everyone so wants true. to automate that stuff. And automation is great, but you can't really automate what I'm talking about here, nor should you. It's, and it's very, I find that a lot of people approach networking as any very utilitarian. You know, I'm, I'm just going to try and get a client. Okay, this person doesn't have any low-hanging fruit for me. They're not a potential client. Like, let me go on to the next person and speed networking. 
I think it goes back to what you were talking about earlier. We were talking about, you know, I was talking about my kind of my own personality and the way I like to form yeah. friendships is yeah. like, I would rather spend an entire networking event with one or two people and have a really quality conversation than just speed around and make sure every single person got my business card. I still remember one person who literally walked around a room, shook everyone's hand, handed a business card and pretty much went on to the next person. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I remember somebody asking them a question and they were already gone to the next person. Like those types the of- missed opportunity to be top of mind, right? I mean, you have to plant seeds. Like that's essentially what we're doing is we're planting seeds and you have no clue that person that you took the time to talk to at a networking event who maybe isn't an ideal client, what about their network? You're not just marketing to them, you're marketing to their network and you have no idea who they're going to come across. So that's the easiest way to get momentum without doing all this extra stuff. Honestly, that's like where I would start. And I think most people don't start there. And like, I come across people who are like, I've been, you know, posting to five people or sending emails to five people for the last year. Why isn't it working? I'm like, well, how many people have you talked to? No one. Okay. Well, that's why. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to grow, you yeah. got to grow the audience. You got to right. grow the pool. Yeah. Right. A, a friend of mine had told me that, you know, ha- for coaches, you need to have two to 300 names in a kind of a pipeline, right? So those aren't necessarily potential clients, but there are t- two to yep. 300 people yeah. that you, you could say you're in your kind of sphere of influence or yep. something. And I found that that's actually really helpful. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a good number to be thinking towards and, and working towards. Um, okay. And you, do, you don't get it by going to the same networking uh, events all the time. I was talking to a coach friend of mine, you know, it's, it's okay to diversify your network. And I think it's important in the beginning to do that for the reason you said, I mean, a lot of people I think go into business with an idea of, okay, this is exactly who I'm going to be serving. And this is my ideal client. And what I've learned in the businesses that I've either led or now own is your ideal client kind of finds you and you become it's like the perfect house finds you. It's kind of like house hunting, sort of. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, is that in your experience with your clients as well? Yeah, they're too rigid. People are too rigid at the beginning. It's okay to not fully know all of that. And listen, that this is a marketer saying that who understands that you do need to know your niche. You do need, and that's important now for where I'm at, right? Because I have a certain volume of clients that I that I'm getting in, like as I scale my business, but. When I was first starting, I mean, I did done for you work. I did stuff that I would never do now, but it served me. It helped me. I worked with clients I would never work with now because it was, you know, what I needed to figure out, like, who am I as a business owner? You know, I mean, no one gives you that rule book. Like no one, even if you have previous business experience, like it's different to do it for yourself. It's different to do it in this capacity and no one really knows. And I just think that I would have missed out on so many amazing opportunities if I had gone in very rigid. Um, and not curious about, okay, like, I wonder who needs, who needs my help, right? Like I, it, I knew more about what it is that I generally wanted to do. And it was mm-hmm. less about like who I'm doing it for. I trusted that as I went out and sold my offer and talked to people and signed clients that I would figure that out. And I did. So I just don't want people to be too rigid. Cause I think that can hold you back from that learning process that we're talking about. It is. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's one of the greatest compliments I ever received was that from a former boss. And he said, your, your adaptability is one of your greatest qualities in life because you will will take a situation and kind of like, you'll learn from it and you'll do what you need to. And and I share that not because it's about me, but I think it's, it's what you're talking about is right. That curiosity and the adaptability It's the whole thing where, you know, you either win or you learn. Mm-hmm. The, only, mm-hmm. the only failure yep. is when you t- didn't learn anything from an experience and we can always take something out. 
Yeah. Always. always, always. I've had massive. I mean, I lost three clients in one day, a year into business, two months before I was supposed to give birth to my second. Well, I did give birth to my second child. That's supposed to. It happened. But two months before, I'm not going to take on retainer clients. Who's going to hire? You know, I'm about to go on maternity leave. Like, I was working with you know marketing companies, like business owners on retainer. So. I had to adapt pretty quickly, you know, and for me, what that showed me, even though it was a huge substantial loss, it showed me, well, I don't have enough of a pipeline. I don't have enough leads. I never want to be in this position again. And that's actually what led to me being so firm and you got to have an audience of some kind. You have to have a community of some kind that you are actively building trust with to grow your business. And that's literally what I do for my clients now. It's what I coach them on. And I love every second of it. And that was reinforced by a really difficult, difficult experience. And so I could have looked at that as failure. I could have quit. I thought about it. I was like, well, maybe you're into business. Haven't gotten a ton of momentum yet. I could just bow out and go back to corporate after I have my child. And I was like, no, I'm always going to wonder what if, you know? And so I think that if you are not willing to fail, and, and this is said by somebody who is, I'm very like risk averse in life. So it's kind of ironic that I'm in this role, but you know, I have a hard time with failure, right? Like I, I, the old type A oldest child, I also have a type A oldest child who is afraid of failure. And so for me, it's like the more comfortable though, that I am with the type of failure you're talking about, the more my business has grown. And honestly, I have to remind myself of that every year as I'm planning for the new year here, as we're talking, I've got to be thinking about how am I going to fail on a bigger scale? What am I going to try that potentially might not work out, but is going to give me the learnings that you're talking about? And it's hard to do because you have to willingly have the courage to put yourself out there and do that. But it's huge. If you, I mean, if people can get comfortable doing that, like you will see success in your business. Yeah, there's no question about it. I used to tell my team, I said, how quickly can you make mistakes and how can you make bigger ones after that? And how quickly can we talk about what you've learned? Yep. yep. And they looked at me like, you want me to, to make a mistake? mistake? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I definitely want you to make mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. So. And as a leader now with a team, I have to make sure that I'm not saying that, but not backing it up with action. Because there's exactly. been times where I've said it and then I'm like, well, am I to hold up? Like, does the action match the words, match the message? And I think that's really important. And that's something that honestly, if I'm talking about, for, you know, being, being transparent as a coach, I would like to do even more with that in terms of coaching my clients. Because I think what I'm noticing is just people are more risk averse than ever now. I get it, right? I think there's a lot of reasons for that, but- I really want to, as we go in into a, a new season, I really want to push my clients to make more mistakes and to be willing to do that because you're absolutely spot on. That's how you learn. It's not by have. I've had a lot of things go well in my business. I have not learned nearly as much as I did when things didn't go well. No, it's and it's so true. I, I think that's true in life and business. You know, when you're in the yeah. desert um, and you have to kind of figure it out, you just learn so much. So you talked yeah. a little bit about vulnerability. We've been talking yeah. about that kind of making mistakes. You are so vulnerable about the way you run your business and everything. <laughs> which I so, I so appreciate, right? Because I think um, a lot of people are to going back to one of your earlier comments, they see somebody standing on a mountaintop and they don't realize that everything that's below that, it's not beautiful. No, it's not. It's, it's, it can be really ugly and it can be really messy but you're still standing on top of it and it looks oh, beautiful at the yeah. top. Yeah. So talk a little bit about Michelle for people who are in business and leading marketing teams and, and whatnot, how critical is just vulnerability and authenticity in a world that um, is not very good at either? It's so critical. I think it's always been important. I think it's more important now than ever. 
You know, I'm hearing a lot of this. I'm sure you are too. I think it's in every industry. You know, people aren't buying the way they used to. People aren't buying at all in some cases. That's what people are saying, you know, and it's caused, I think, a lot of discouragement on the mm -hmm. part of the people that I'm coaching. And my whole thing is, oh, no, no, they are buying. They're more discerning buyers. They're buying based on do they trust you? That's who they're buying from. And authenticity, vulnerability are very closely connected to trust. So how do you build trust? Part of how you build trust is by you being willing to kind of lead the way when it comes to like possibly sharing the mistakes or the things that haven't gone as well. I mean, vulnerability looks different for everyone, right? So like my brand of vulnerability is very reflective of if you know me outside of business, like that's just who I am. Like I'm a talker, I'm outgoing, loud, like, like to be vulnerable, like that's just who I am. You might remember from college, I don't know, you know, married to the quietest person in the world. So like we're opposites in that way. And so for me, like that's how I would be normally if like you got me in a room, like, because I feel like I've just always felt called to tell people the way it is, because I think people are really, they're, they're, they're sold this like bill of goods that everything should work out perfectly the first time. And especially in business. And I just feel like I'm seeing so many women wanting to quit over it. And my heart just is like breaking, like, no, don't quit because you're actually on the right track. And so for me, how I build trust in my brand is by being honest about my journey. And I'll be honest with you. That's how I've, that's how I've gotten most of my clients is that I'm very honest about what it's like to run a business with three kids at home and how imperfectly I do it and how messy it really is. Um, you know, I talk about the business failures, you know, I don't talk about things as they're happening in the moment. Cause I do think there's some self-reflection that's needed to be able to provide value to my audience, but everybody feels like they have to be so buttoned up. And if you come from the corporate world, like I do, right. It's like, that's what you were, you know, I won't say what company I worked for, but like <laughs> they would say, be you, be an individual, make mistakes and then be like, but don't, but don't like, do, do not do that. Right. Like be buttoned up. Like the message just didn't match. And so I remember even when starting my business, I was like, I can't possibly let people know that I have kids because that's unprofessional. It's like, no, it's not. People hire me because I have three kids. And they're like, well, if you're doing it, <laughs> you must have learned something along the way. And so I just think that we're seeing an increased push for authenticity and vulnerability because people are also jaded. You know, there's a lot of people in the, in the, in the, you know, market that I'm in where they're like, I've worked with a coach and didn't get what I, what I wanted, didn't get the result that I desired. It wasn't the experience that I thought it was and they're jaded. So how do you build that trust by revealing more of yourself and the work that you do than ever before? Yeah. And we, we talk a lot about in my, in my company, like we talk a lot about personal approach and real results. I yep. think that those it, for it's difficult for people to see in a way where they like that can coexist where yeah. I can be a person, my client can be a person and we, you know, you still can win. Yeah. It's yeah. not, it's not mechanistic. It's not robotic. Yeah. It's yeah. just, Hey, I'm a real guy. And what I'm going to bring to you is, you know, my 20 years of mistakes. That's part yeah. of what you get, right. That you're signing up for. And that actually makes you an incredibly valuable coach. Yes. So, um, yeah. but you know, it's, it's so true. And I think, you know, part of it is like, we're living in a Disney, you know, generally we, sometimes we feel like we're living in a Disney movie where, you know, there's, I don't, I don't know, can't think of one Disney movie that ever ends poorly. I mean, my, my, one of my favorite movies has the worst ending, which is the guardian, you know, Kevin Costner and Ashton Kutcher in it. And in the end, and if you look, if you haven't watched it yet, I'm sorry, spoiler alert. Um, Kevin Costner dies. And yeah. it's just not the way the movie is supposed to end. Yeah. Like that's not how right. our world operates, but it was a real, it was kind of profound. And you're like, Whoa, okay. 
this is really relatable. This yeah. is real life. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think we're not living in a Disney movie. And the other thing that I think coaches really bring, you know, and as you're talking about challenging your clients in, into the new year is we're kind truth tellers. Mm -hmm. You know, there's Pat Lencioni coined that term. And I just so love it. Like we're going to tell people the kind truth and invite them into to. that. Yeah. yeah. You have to tell them the truth. And I mean, if I bring in a little bit of sales psychology into this, what is one of the biggest barriers? I mean, whether you're a coach or not, I'm, I'll apply it specific to coaching, but I think this happens for, for other industries as well. What is one of the biggest barriers to someone investing? They could be really sold on you as a coach, but be like, well, I'm not sold on myself. Like, I don't feel like I can get results. How do you help sell them on themselves? By being authentic about, hey, I've been where you are. I literally have the stories to share. By doing that, I've actually been able to help my clients sell themselves on why it's possible for them to. And that's mm -hmm. one of the things that like, I think if you weave in that, especially as a coach, you're going to see people have a little bit more courage and faith because you led by example. And I think that's really important. It is. I have a friend who calls it borrowed hope. And I borrowed think hope, yeah, I love that's that. like, yeah. it, it's yeah. so true. It's like, you know, it, yeah. when you don't have enough hope, you can borrow mine for a little bit and eventually. Borrow my belief. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So. I think Almost that's so. important from sales psychology. So, yeah. Oh, wicked. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. This has been uh, so fun. And I know our listeners are going to be better off uh, for it. So we'll have to have you back on again. If people want to learn more about you, uh, I know you have a website and you have a Facebook group. What are those? Yeah. So michellevroom.com has all the details about how I serve my clients some resources, things like that. Um, I don't blog as much anymore, but I actually have some old school blog posts that I think are still very valuable. So you're welcome to check those out. And then yes, the Facebook group, um, Market Like a Boss is a great place for anyone who just really wants practical strategies for growing your business online, um, especially in today's world where it feels like there's so much noise and everybody's talking at each other. So um, there's some new things coming to the community as we go into the new year, which is really exciting. So definitely check that out if you enjoyed this interview. Great. Well, thanks again, Michelle. It was great to catch back up. For more information uh, on my coaching practice, you can visit josh.veneta.com. And we're active on all of the social media channels, Facebook and Instagram as well, as well as LinkedIn. So thanks again, Michelle. You can tune in next week for another episode of High Impact, a podcast for leaders. Cool. Michelle, thanks. That was fun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good. Um, do you only take, I'm just curious because I don't really have a, somebody to refer to that does marketing, uh, coaching. Are you only doing, uh, working with women or is it just primarily? It primarily, those tend to be the people who come to me. I'm not opposed. I've worked with men before. I'm definitely not opposed to it. Um, my marketing is definitely geared toward women, but it's not a like hard and fast can never work with a guy. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, have a great rest of your afternoon. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. Talk soon. Bye.